This is Mo and McGee on TKD. Like you heard the, I don't even know who that, it's like a robot or something, Kevin, that brings us in. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. <laughs> definitely not. Well, definitely not me editing audio. Okay. Well, uh, we're here. Strategy episode. Uh, we like these, we like this episode quite a bit. Buy and sell, hop down in the bunker for some war room talk. Um Kevin, we talked about on episode one, bad slate. However, there's some interesting things that that always pop out and some players that uh, are still could possibly be finding themselves on fantasy trade blocks. Yeah, and I'm going to hit it or get going right away with it. And I'm going to say Alvin Kamara. I want to know, Alvin Kamara, is that somebody that, Coming off of a big week, over 30 points, is, is he somebody that you should be looking to buy? Um, believing that back-to-back weeks, 29, 33 points, he, he's going to be doing that the rest of the season, um, and you can probably afford him? Or do you have some doubts with that New Orleans offense? Well, the, the first thing I think you have to mention is the affordability right now is probably... You probably can't get the person who has Alvin Kamara to budge if you're trying to trade for him. However, I don't know what to think, Kevin. That game was so ugly yesterday. Jameis Winston looked terrible. Uh, Gino looked terrible. The one thing that does kind of, when I when I sat down and thought about this, they had a bye last week. They came out and just force-fed Alvin Kamara. You'd have you have to think that that was probably a concerted effort coming out of the bye to say this is our most talented guy by a long stretch. We gotta just feed him the rock, no matter what's. Obviously, running the ball 20 times for 50 yards, not great. Okay, let's chuck him the ball 10 times, and he will do stuff with those. Uh, this game could have been even more massive with another touchdown or two. Uh, I think you have to probably buy if if the price is anywhere reasonable, which I don't think it would be. Yeah, so if you have Alvin Kamara, you're holding on to him? I, I think I am just because I like that the, the concerted effort to feed him the ball. Something that does concern me a little bit, Michael Thomas sounds like he's been doing some on-field work the last few weeks. I think potentially coming back. Um, a week nine or 10, I think was the target probably takes a little target share away from Alvin Kamara, but nothing really that concerns me too much. Yeah. The other concern I'll throw on there, only one rushing touchdown thus, thus far. Um, you're looking at a team that likes to do different things on the goal line. Sometimes, sometimes it's give it to Alvin Kamara six times for six touchdowns. Sometimes it's, uh, we're going to let everybody else on the field touch the ball besides Alvin Kamara. So um, unless that concerted effort is translating to touchdowns, you can see that maybe ebb and flow quite a bit where um, if you're running back heavy and you're short at wide receiver, maybe you do a flip, get Devontae, get Tyreek. Otherwise, I'm probably holding him. But something to keep in mind. Yeah, and 
You're right. Kind of my whole spiel there. I wasn't thinking for Alvin Kamara owners, but if you do have him, yeah, this is a chance if you if you you know if you maybe hit on a, a later round guy or you hit on a waiver wire type like Eli Mitchell. I think this is probably one of the, the highest point totals he'll have all year and probably the highest two-game stretch he'll have uh, most of the year. So he's a surefire RB1, probably a top three guy. But there is some things that are concerning, uh, you know, the rushing rushing workload for one being, uh, you know, not exactly the type we want. Yeah, obviously it's going to take a gold mine to either give him up or get him. Um, but maybe something to be thinking about with those question marks surrounding him. How about the next guy here? Um, I'm just going to keep firing you like surefire top five running backs <laughs> and, and see if you, you like them or not. Um, DeAndre Swift, who has been pretty pretty solid in the passing game, I'd say. Yeah, a little bit more than solid, Kevin. Um, he's had over five over uh, five receptions in all games but two and those were two that he was kind of banged up in uh the passing tree in detroit goes deandre swift tj hawkinson and then the, the tree's kind of barren except for some shrubs at the ground like khalif raymond and amon ross st brown and you know whoever the hell's in for the Detroit Lions <laughs> these days. Um, this is another one that's kind of difficult, Kevin. Uh, you're you're talking about a guy who's off his highest point total of the season uh, against a really good defense. And I don't, I mean, for me, this kind of is a little different than Kamara where this usage has been there all season long. There's not been games except the few that he was kind of banged up in that he has had a bad PPR day. And then when you kind of talk about the touchdown upside that he brings, we talked about in episode one that Jamal Williams is kind of falling out of favor as Dan Campbell uh, for the first time realizes that Jamal Charles or <laughs> Jamal Charles, Jamal, Charles. <laughs> Jamal Williams is uh, like a tertiary backup running back at best and not a person you should be putting in for major snaps. Fuck you, Mike McCarthy. Um, I think this the arrow only goes up for DeAndre Swift. If you can, I mean, if you are wide receiver heavy in your league and you have three good ones, I mean, I would no doubt try to package one and a decent running back for DeAndre Swift because you can almost replace both of them with the workload that this guy is going to get. Yeah, and... I'm in the same boat. I, I think where I was con- where I'm concerned with Alvin Kamara is where we've we've seen him get zero catches in a game this season. Um, DeAndre Swift, as you mentioned, his worst receiving game is four catches for 33 yards. So you're getting basically a wide receiver too um, that runs the ball 10, 13 times per game. Um, so whereas with Alvin Kamara, I, I'm considering him in a blockbuster trade, um, giving him up. DeAndre Swift, he's a deal breaker. Unless I'm blown away with an offer, I'm holding on to him. I, I think only good things are on the horizon for him. I mean, Kevin, the last two guys we talked about, so Alvin Kamara has a 19% target share, which is amazing for a running back. DeAndre Swift has 20% target share. 
Najee Harris is in the middle of those guys at 19.7. But then fourth is Chase Edmonds all the way down at 15% target share. You're talking about three guys that are commanding huge parts of their team's passing games. And in PPR, that is king. You do not give DeAndre Swift up unless you are getting a bona fide wide receiver one or and more on top of that. Yeah, or a package of a wide receiver one and a running back. You're right. I I'm holding on to DeAndre Swift for dear life if I'm an owner. Okay. Um I, I think that makes sense. How about a guy that's coming off of a three touchdown game? Mike Evans. Um big week, not a lot of catches, but th- when three of them are in the end zone, doesn't really matter um, what else you do. Uh, is he somebody that you sell now that he's probably that? I'd be surprised if uh, he beats that point total rest of the season. Um, or is he somebody that is extremely talented, just had three touchdowns in a game, could get multiple touchdown games again? You need to hold on to that guy. Yeah, Mike Evans is super interesting. I have him in two out of my out of my in two leagues. Um, in one of my leagues, I think he's been a part of fourteen trade offers that I've submitted to people. Um, I've been trying to offload him all season because. Let me read you his fancy point totals this season, Kevin. Five, twenty-four, nice. Eighteen, not so bad. Fourteen. Oof, he's my wide receiver one or two. That's tough. That's a tough week for me. 29. Oh, yeah, nice. Four. 31. I mean, the roller coaster this guy goes on. And the reason it's a roller coaster, Buck's really talented, right? We all know about Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, Gronk when he comes back. The the, the big problem with that is not that he's not the the, the best player on, uh, out of those guys, it's that teams know he's the best player out of these guys. He's getting number one shadow coverage in any game that ha- that features a really high-end talent. We saw it in Philly uh, where he got shadowed by Darius Slay and just got absolutely shut down. We saw it week one in Dallas where Trevon Diggs shadowed him, absolutely shut down. Um, he avoided Jalen Ramsey's shadow in, in week three. I don't know why they did that, um, but he's going to be facing a, a LaShawn, Marshawn Lattimore shadow coverage in week eight. And, you know, I'm not very comfortable with, with firing him up as, as more than, you know, a, a wide receiver three or, you know, very low end wide receiver two. And you can kind of see this as the list goes down. I mean, week 11, James Bradbury, who's a great shadow corner uh, for the Giants, is going to shadow him. Buffalo, uh, Tredavious White, going to shadow him. He faces New Orleans in the fantasy playoffs where he's going to get Marshawn Lattimore again. Um, I think after this huge three-touchdown game, I'm probably trying to sell. I could see where if you're wide receiver desperate, desperate he's probably the one of the best guys that's going to be on a trade block. And another thing, Kevin, where I'm concerned, you know, Gronkowski's going to come back. Are the, are the red zone looks end zone looks going to be the same? They, they weren't in the first few games. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I think you're, you're, you're perfect on this. Gronk was out this last game. AB was out this game. Um, and 
Tampa Bay still scored a shit ton of points. They can only score so many points in a the game. There's only so much time on the clock to score so many points in a game. Um, as, as you mentioned, the reason I threw them on the agenda here was faces New Orleans, leads into a bye. So presumably not going to be a great game this week. It's going to be pain in the ass to try to trade them on a bye. Um, coming off of a 31-point game and then a 29-point game just two weeks ago, um, it, your window to get rid of him is now. Um, and if, if you can get an offer that's around um, the value of a wide receiver one uh, or you know equal value at a different position, uh, now's the time to do it because he, he probably won't be worth that um, until he plays Washington again. And, and even then, if he has a bad game, you're, you're probably stuck with him rest of the season. Yeah, and I think another thing that makes him a little more tradable for me as well is I don't think you had to invest quite a, as high of a draft pick where your kind of team is hinging on Mike Evans' success. I I got him in a lot of third rounds uh, this kind of during draft season. And while he's an important part of my team, I didn't draft him to be my wide receiver one. And, you know, some people that went RB heavy might have and aren't in the same position. But if he's your second receiver and you can maybe offload him for someone like, you know, T. Higgins and another running back piece or something, it's definitely something I'd be open to for sure. Good opportunity. Absolutely. Last guy here, the guy that is probably in a whole section below the Ivan Kamara's the DeAndre Swifts, the Mike Evans. I, I have Javante Williams. Where are you valuing uh, Javante Williams and trade talks? Is, is he a buy or a sell? This is tough for me, Kevin, because I really liked Javante coming out of the draft. I, I really like that when he gets opportunities, he's doing stuff with them. Uh, this was his high point total week, so we're talking about four guys <laughs> – off their high point total weeks, which makes them a little more tradable than usual. I just hate that they're splitting snaps very evenly, splitting red zone snaps, splitting passing game snaps. I mean, you have no idea week to week what you're going to get out of, out of Javante Williams. I mean, he only had four rushes this last week, Kevin Mm -hmm. hasn't been over 14 since week one um, and hasn't been over, 11 since week four. Uh, so not getting a lot of work. He has chipped in for, for three receptions uh, most weeks and had the six, six reception game this week. He's a guy that while I would like to have him on my bench for Gordon injury insurance, He's someone where maybe you find a sell partner that someone really believes that Javante Williams will take over. I'm not so sure he will. Yeah. Um, I, this is one where I think his price has to be all over the place. So you have to be including him in trade offers just to figure out, okay, people don't really like him in my league. People are all about him in my league. Um, I, I, I think you have to test the waters a little bit. Um, some people will believe that he will take over that backfield. Um, if you drafted him, you probably did too, but this, this, uh, split has prolonged a lot longer than I think a lot of people expected. Um, and and it's not necessarily getting any better. You do like the six receptions this week, 
but that's the first time he's been over three um, and, you know, paired it with just those four carries you were talking about. So finds the end zone, which, you know, if he doesn't, he probably still doesn't look very great. So I, I, I would be testing the waters, seeing where his value is. Um, if, you, if you feel like you're getting a more solid, sure bet thing there um, and, and you need that, and go for it. If if you need high upside, maybe hold on to him. But um, he he's a guy that there has to be a wide range of opinions on him, just because there's so much unknown and 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 what's going to happen in the next um, three weeks leading up to the buy and then after the buy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Kevin, one of our favorite pastimes: hopping down in, climbing down the stairs, down into the bunker. Talking war room, talking fantasy strategy. Uh, you had a question for me uh, down in the war room this week. Yeah. Um, so we we in the TKD league, we we've took two different kind of strategies, both on opposite ends of the spectrum. Both caught some heat for it. I went uh, really running back heavy. I, I drafted um, McCaffrey first overall. Um, I think I got Allen Robinson at. Uh, in the second technically, but then um, Chris Carson, Josh Jacobs, Kareem Hunt, and Antonio Gibson, you know, just a stockpile of the running backs. You, on the other hand, went wide receiver heavy. Um, Stefan Diggs, Cooper Cup, um, uh, Mike Tyler Evans, Boyd. Tyler Boyd, um, you know, a whole host of wide receivers. Right now we're on total opposite ends of the standings. You're at the top, I'm at the bottom. What are your thoughts on the difference in those outcomes um, is this, is that one strategy superior to the other? Um, is that a little bit of luck in there? What, what are your thoughts on, um, should you be going running back heavy? Should you be going wide receiver heavy? Do you really need to balance? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, I think our case is a little different because you've been so kind of hamstrung by injuries. And I, uh, you know, fully admittedly, lucked into Cooper Cup's wide receiver one season. Um, so, I mean, a little bit of different spectrum, but my idea going into the draft was I want wide receiver ones or guys that are going to be target hogs. Uh, the reason being that let's say, for instance, now there's a lot of different running backs and a lot of different ways in, in which they get their touches, but a guy like Saquon Barkley, uh, who was also injured, so fuck that. I'm not going to go with him. Let's go with uh, Miles Sanders, who was drafted a few picks before Mike Evans in our draft. What's your ultimate – I mean, Miles Sanders' upside is five, six receptions, 15 carries, okay? Mike Evans' upside, we've seen it a few times this season, right? Seven touchdowns a hundred or seven touchdowns seven catches a hundred yards a couple touchdowns um that's what i'm looking for can i exploit the three positions in our in our lineups wide receiver one two and flex to have guys that are surefire i mean at minimum going to get me around 15 points a game uh, that was my idea going into it i kind of did that in most of my drafts it's bit me in a few where I took Robert Woods over Cooper Cup, or it even bit me in this draft where I took Tyler Boyd over, um, you know, guys like 
Cortland Sutton and guys that have been uh, very valuable, Brandon Cooks. Um, but my main goal was target the targets, be confident in the fact that when you get targeted heavily, touchdowns will come. Those receptions in a PPR league just so valuable. Yeah, I I, I agree with you that those are really valuable. Um, I, I think the issue comes in it's when you miss. It, it usually is 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 really bad when you go wide three wide receivers early. We've seen people draft three straight wide receivers in the TKD league before and be totally hamstrung at running back. Um, you were able to get Najee Harris um, in in you know those first few rounds, which helped your team a lot. Um, if the offensive line was as bad as it has been and he wasn't getting the receiving game work. Um, you know, I, I think that is probably makes your team look a lot worse. Um, so I think the key is you really have to hit when you own when, when you are neglecting a position like running back or wide receiver, you have to hit. And I think that's where my team went horribly wrong with Allen Robinson. I, it was a big bet that Allen Robinson was going to catch 100 catches um, like he has for like the past six years. Um, <laughs> and of course... Andy Dalton goes down, Justin Fields is in there, Justin Fields has no time to throw, and he's spreading it around. Um, so the Allen Robinson pick has absolutely burnt me. My flyer guys late um, in Will Fuller um, and LaVisca Chenault have also not hit. So um, all of a sudden I look really hamstrung at um, wide receiver. I mean, you, you mentioned the running back injuries, but you have to be able to hit on, on the neglected position, and I just didn't do that. Um, whereas you were able to get Najee Harris and then spend big money um, on, on the first few waivers and get the top running backs out of the get-go, um, which has really helped propel your team um, yeah. up the standings. Yeah, and I think you hit on kind of an important part where um, – you cannot be a guy who's going to sit on your team and you cannot be a guy who goes into a fantasy draft with the ESPN top 300 sheet and expect to, to run a strategy such as running back heavy or wide receiver heavy and have any success. The reason why I think I had success this year is like you mentioned, um, the bottom half of my draft was, mainly all backup running backs. Alexander Madison has stepped in for me and had two 20-point explosions. That's that's huge for a team that only drafted really one running back. Uh, and you, you hit on another point, mitigate your misses. So I missed on Tyler Boyd, missed on Trey Sermon. Be active in, in trade talks. Be a- active on the waiver wire. Got Eli Mitchell, who looks like could be a decent RB2. Scooped up Daryl Williams, who also could be an RB2 until Clyde Edwards-Alaire comes back. Um, It's not a strategy if you're just planning to draft and sit or draft a team and not do any research on what types of other players are going to be available. Yeah, And a big part of what led our teams to look the way that did, we were on opposite ends of the draft. And I think we both kicked off, you would generally kick off a wide receiver run, um, leaving some decent running backs there at the other end of the draft for me to try to scoop up. And then I would kick off a running back run and it would just kind of fire back and forth as we were on the bookends. Um, 
So a lot of this is about scooping up value, um, seeing which positions um, maybe are a little bit weaker, a little bit stronger when you're drafting and, and trying to take advantage of that. So if I were to do it again, my team would probably look identical um, outside of Allen Robinson uh, because he has burnt the shit out of me. Um, yeah, I would do I mean, it again. Uh, that's the sad part. Maybe I'm stubborn, but I, I would do it again. Well, and uh, unfortunately for you, uh, you know, another big part of this type of strategy is, okay, I'm going to go into this season and potentially be deep into this season with more wide receivers or more running backs than I can even play, right? Imagine if Tyler Boyd hit, if he was, if he was like the number two piece in the, in the Bengals offense. I have four guys. Yeah. I mean, and then if your league is trade happy, boom, you, you, you get that guy out of there. You bring in that RB two that you're missing and man, you have a really nice team. However, if you run this strategy and you miss, or you run this strategy and no one wants to trade with you, you can get stuck and, and you can kind of be in the rut where you are, where you're running out wide receivers that, maybe shouldn't be started. Yeah, I shouldn't be starting any of the guys <laughs> that I've been starting the last few weeks. It is, it's fun. I love it. How about <laughs> well, a new question, though? Yeah, let's talk about uh, uh, a thing that I, I'm i definitely starting to is, is when you start maybe shifting your attention to the playoffs as the trade deadline looms, as, uh, you know, in some leagues that are ending early and have longer playoffs, maybe they start up in, in a few weeks. Um, when do you usually shift your attention to playoff matchups and and maybe saying, man, uh, you know, Mike Evans is facing Marshawn Lattimore in the semifinals. Do I try to deal him for someone who might have a nicer uh opponent that week yeah my rule of thumb is either two weeks before you feel like you've clinched up a buy uh not a buy spot but a playoff spot or the week of the trade deadline i, I think week of the trade trade deadline um if you haven't already locked yourself in the playoffs it, it's still something that you have to consider because yeah you know you, you can try your best to just limp into the playoffs but then you're going to run into you know teams that are better prepared kind of set up a little bit um, with better matchups and you're probably going to go down there so at that trade deadline you have to make the decision um, am i okay missing the playoffs um, because i took a shot and made sure that i was set up or um, do i just want to get into the playoffs and and finish in the middle Um, for me it's always i'm going to try to be a step ahead um I'm going to put myself in a position that if I make the playoffs, I have a decent shot of winning it because if I finish second, it it doesn't matter. I want to win. I want to get first. That's all that matters. So I have to put myself in a position to get first. Yeah, and and that's the biggest part of it for me, right? A lot of people settling, right? Let's just get to the playoffs and, you know, things can happen. Well, things can happen. However... The teams that are generally going to win uh, have done well in playoffs for, I mean, a lot of people have been in fantasy leagues now for years and years, the same people. Uh, you know the certain teams that, that are looking for, for those types of advantages. I honestly am looking at kind of that stuff, stuff now. Now, 
I do have the advantage of being at the number one uh, standing spot right now in a few leagues. So I have that advantage. Other teams and where you can maybe take advantage of these teams is, oh, man, you are down in the standings. You're you're three games back from a playoff spot right now. Mike Evans sure would help you out for a few games, right? You know, and then you get a guy who might not be valuable or even a guy like Mike Thomas is on IR, pick him up and he could be a league winner for you towards the end of the year. So it's definitely a place where people can take advantage if they're thinking about it early enough and thinking about it in a way that sets their team up for success and other teams up for failure. Yeah. So I I think the only two wrong answers for this um, are at the draft. I'm thinking about playoff matchups because there's, we don't know which defenses are going to be bad People think they know, but you actually statistically were really bad at figuring out which which defenses are bad at the beginning of the season um, before the season starts. Um, the other bad answer is when we get to the playoffs, because if you start thinking about those matchups once you're already there, somebody's already um, prepared um, better than you. Yeah, I mean, case in point, Vikings are two and a half road favorites at the AFC leading Cincinnati Bengals. No one has any idea at the beginning of the season which defenses are going to show up and what the passing attacks look like. I think that's another interesting thing, right? I drafted Tyler Boyd in the fourth round. Fifth round, sorry. You think I had any clue that Jamar Chase was going to be this much of a superstar? Absolutely not. So you're right. Don't be thinking about it at the draft, but. If you get into the season, you're winning some games or you're losing and you need to catch up, it's something to to take a look at for sure. Absolutely. You have to consider it. Well, Kevin, good war room session. Let's climb out of the bunkers. It's kind of a little, getting a little musty after seven weeks now climbing down in there. Yeah, a little, little musty from that, a little musty from my tears talking about my team in the TKD <laughs> League. Um, hoping to dodge the, deer, the beer mile, but it's it's scaring me at this point. It's probably the only time you'll hear me admit it, but it's it's sneaking up on me. I can feel it. It's cold breath on the back of my neck. Yeah, beer mile. You know, start taking a beer with you to the gym, and you know, just take a take a few casual swigs as you're running on the treadmill, and get yourself get yourself Work prepared. Up to it. Work up. Yeah. To it. <laughs> start start with some Bud Lights, some Bushies, or work up to a stout maybe towards the end of your training. Um. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, that was a great strategy episode. I I hope personally that um, we didn't scare people off of going and trying a strategy or uh, maybe focusing on playoffs as as the season's winding down. Hopefully we uh, talk some people into it and kind of trying some different things. Well, what do you think? Uh, I, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Mo and McGee and TKD, but we'll catch you next time um, for the week eight primer. Absolutely. See you, folks.